Hello everyone and welcome to episode 367 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up this fine Monday, Richard? Doing well, Seth. How are you doing? I am doing spectacularly Kamigawa. Looks super sweet, and I cannot wait to start playing with these cards. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? That's me. Hi. I haven't gone to bed yet. <laughs> oh, well, good evening, then, in that case. <laughs> good evening, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Krim schedule. So, anyway, today... <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be all Kamigawa pretty much. We have the full main set out. Uh probably by the time you hear this podcast, we'll also have the commander precon spoilers are supposed to be coming out today. But we're gonna talk Kamigawa stuff, new cards from Kamigawa, themes, our overall impression from the set. If we get a chance, maybe talk a little bit about if magic cards are getting too wordy. Apparently, Kamigawa is the wordiest set of all time. Uh, it came out over the weekend, some research on that, and then answer some fish mail. So that is the overview for today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection, and their curated shipment service for a while. And uh, the curated shipment service lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee as long as your cards have a retail value of at least $2. You can send as many as you want and only pay a 5% fee. And like with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade your cards, you get to skip all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship them out and you'll get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing optimized prices and the little service fee of just 5% and you think and you can even get another 10% off by going to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thanks so much to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some kamigawa let's start with some spoilers we got i mean the full set is out you can see it all over mtdpreviews.com sort it filter it check it all out but we have a handful of cards that are interesting exciting that we want to talk about individually so richard why don't you take it away and guide us through some spoilers so let's start off with ishin two heavens as one red white black three four legendary creature human samurai if a creature attacking would cause a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger that ability triggers an additional time oh my god this card is so sweet this this is probably my overall favorite card from this it's uh, it's a panharmonicon for attacking stuff it's just so cool. Uh, it's the first commander I'm going to build from this. I know we got Wolfgar, which is like a bad version of this and a commander precon a couple of years ago. I haven't been able to play it because it's not on Magic Online. So this one will be on Magic Online. And interestingly, I mean, it's a three mana three four. I almost wonder if there's a chance this could show up outside of commander as well. Like its stats aren't bad. And if you can build around it, the ability is really, really powerful. But what do, what do you guys think? Is there any chance this card can see play outside of commander? Or is this just like another sweet legend for commander? This screams commander. I, I can't I can't play this in standard. <laughs> I'm going to get laughed at. <laughs> and then I'm also going to help my opponent scry after they're done laughing because it's going to get bounced <laughs> back to my hand. And I'm going to feel real bad that I played this. However, you know what's really cool, though? Dodge is Frostbite. And wait, no one's going to play Snow Stuff because the payoff is Faceless Haven. So um, <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too harsh on this card. And and you know what? I, I Okay. Anyone listening, this does not mean I won't lose to this card, because I will lose to many cards. <laughs> but the thing here is, I just don't see this being a haymaker in standard. Oh, imagine, imagine what, this What's trip. the best trigger? Like, what's the best Mardu attacking trigger that we could mm, um this? Oh, uh, Ranger so, class? That's not even in Mardu. That's green. <laughs> okay, okay, so so do you want the Aww. do you want the really janky plan? All right, here, hear me out. And this might be more alchemy than standard. It's really good with the best venture into dungeon cards, like Triumphant Adventure, Nader Selfless Paladin. They triggered a venture into a dungeon whenever they attack. 
does this card mean dungeons? Are dungeons a thing now? Mardu dungeons. Come on. Come one time. One time, Magic Gods. I don't gods. think getting double dungeon triggers even makes dungeon viable. <laughs> with, with the alchemy buffs and the doubling, I don't know if you still want to be doing this. Yeah, I, I recently played a, a dungeon deck, and I'm like, yo, they need a lot of help here. Like, It's not even like the... It's the dungeons themselves. That's the problem. The dungeon themselves are not that good. Like, there is no back-breaking payoff for it. Like, you know, like, for all that building around that you're doing, you're not just getting... You're just really not getting enough of a payoff. So, that's a big okay. problem. So... Okay, okay. Double double treasures with gold span. Kind of makes it almost free. Two treasures. They, make they were already mana. winning off of the one treasure. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, wait. Uh, 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 Delina Wild Mage. Double I, dice rolling. Does anybody no. play that? Uh, no. Uh, the, the, the pingy, the pingy werewolf, the pingy werewolf, double pings. I don't. I mean, uh, double reanimation with Olivia. Eh, that could be fun. Okay. Is uh, Olivia played normally? Does this? So, do you think this enables Olivia? I mean, it's in the colors. It's two thirds of it. Of, of, of I mean, I think we're definitely playing bad cards to make a bad card better as far as standard is concerned. But it seems really it's just such a sweet that's such a sweet design. I'm going to try it. I'm definitely I mean, this is a card I want to I want to break the most in 60 card formats. Whether or not I can actually make it happen, that it might be a stretch and it's probably going to be an against the odds deck. But I'm certainly going to build <laughs> decks around this card in standard and in, in modern or whatever, because I just I love it. It's just such a sweet card. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Standard, sure. Let's play ball standard. I'll I'll, I'll even humor you in historic. Coco. Modern? Coco. Coco into it. Modern? Boom. Attack you. <laughs> double up my whatever. I don't even know. Wait, <laughs> but there's got to be something. In a non-against-the-odds modern deck, you would play this? I mean... <clears throat> I would. <laughs> yeah, okay. That doesn't right. mean nice it's answer. correct, nice but I would. <laughs> There's not a lot of good attacking triggers, like, so I, I don't know if it's worth. Ooh, yeah, this stream's commander. The, the body is terrible. Seth says it's okay, but it's not 1999. Like, a 3-mana 3-4 <laughs> is not okay, right? Like, it needs well, to do a lot more. It's it's legendary, too, which is also a problem. You can't stack them. Like, you can at least stack Panormonicons or something, right, to make your payoffs actually work. But if you actually just draw two issues and like no payoff, it's like horrendous. I'll meet, I'll meet Seth in the middle. I'll meet Seth in the middle. I will say this is better than Circle of Loyalty. <laughs> eh, I don't know about but that. Circle of Loyalty had, had some <laughs> theoretical upside. <though. laughs> yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. The theoretical upside of this is way better. <laughs> so if they have yeah. a creature that attacks and on attack trigger, it deals 10 damage to an opponent. And it's like a two mana two two haste. I can see Inferno it Titan, the Titan Ooh. cycle. You know, Croxa, Croxa, Croxa. Oh, yeah. actually, hold on, hold on. That's that's see, see, already better than Circle of Loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter what, it costs three mana. Wow. All right. Next up, we have Biting Palm Ninja two to black oh. three three creature human ninja. Oh my god. Uh, ninjutsu two to black. Biting Palm Ninja enters yeah. a battlefield with a menace counter on it. Uh, yeah, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a menace counter from it. When you do, that player reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. Exile that card. Is this card not beautiful? <laughs> this card is everything you would like. Okay. I was so Seth and I, you know, we do the top 10 videos, right? And so we, you know, we talked about like, you know, for historic, you know, yada, yada, yada. Dude, Ingenious Infiltrator only gets better the farther back we go, right? And it's not like there wasn't already at one point, at least I played it. It was the Saltai Ninja deck. You know, you've, you've got like Fairy Seer, you know, the, the, the Ice Fang Coatl thing. You bounce that back. You hit him with the, the Biting Palm Ninja. And then you, of course, Ingenious Infiltrator bounce this back. And the, oh, yes, this card is sweet. This is, I would play this in modern. I, I would play this in modern. Uh, I, I I would what? play this in standard. I would play this in his. I would definitely play this in historic, and I will definitely play this in standard. Modern. But but did your deck get better when you played it? That's my yes, question. yes, it did. I mean the bar. The, okay, let, let's not lie here. Saltai ninjas and fairies was like pretty low after Oko got banned, but I think that's like ninety nine percent Oko boosting the archetype. However. <laughs> I will say this card made it marginally better. You have a ninjutsuing 
uh, uh, elite spellbinder that exiles the card permanently. Is that not good? I mean, I, I'm actually kind of with Krim that I think this card's really good. Like, Vindelian Clegg, right? elite We're spellbinder. No, no, modern. Even I think that it's, I mean, so in modern, of course, you got the problem that it's three mana, so Lurus decks can't play it, but in a ninja deck, if that is a thing, and it's been like enough of a thing that it occasionally shows up as a 5-0 or whatever, so it's not that far away, but I actually think that outside of Ingenious Infiltrator and Ninja the Deep Hours, which are like the double S-tier ninjas, I think this is just like the best ninja that they ever made like I, I think it's really really good so i think it's got a shot in modern like three mana creatures that thought sees with their etb which this doesn't do exactly but it's basically the ninja version of it like i don't know if indelian clicks good elite spellbinders good it seems like this has to be good too right or no it's this is conditional like those the cards you listed are non-conditional and those cards are kind of fringe, right? Like, they're, they're only played in their, well, I guess not click, right? But, like, at least Fellbinder is not played as a staple. So in yeah. ninjas, maybe your ninja synergies make up for this. But do you just want to play, like, three mana, three, three Thoughtseize? And it's well, well, better you than have to bounce. You better have to bounce the attacking creature, right? And you had to attack successfully, right? Like, that's a big deal. It's not simply a three mana, three, three that, you know, exile Thoughtseizes, right? So... Like, would you play this in a generic deck? Like, ninjas I could see because of synergies, but what about any black deck in standard? So, oh, oh in sta- wait, we're talking about like standard or modern? Or because, like, in standard, standard, this let's is the start standard. Once, once we've got standard, we can move on to modern. Okay. Oh, stand- so, standard's a house. Any deck, I don't know if I would just say any deck that has black mana, but if you're a black deck that has evasive creatures like Eye Twitch and can reasonably ninjutsu this, then I think the answer is yes. Like, I don't think you got to be a ninja deck. Like, if you have enough evasive creatures that you can consistently ninjutsu this on turn three, then I think the card's, like, great. Like, really, really good. Yeah. Well, like, I'm Do right there. Do we have there. any good ETB creatures on the curve for black? Uh, uh, off the top of my head? Not really. <laughs> not that I can think of, but let, 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 let's take it. Let, I mean... Let let me get back to you on that. I'll remember by the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I think you sold it. I, I think it could be played. Like, if we had good ETBs to I, uh, Alchemy, right? You have the, the captain. You can bounce captain back to your hand. I mean, I, and I think it, it depends... Again. It depends on on your exact build. Like there's a there's a one mana one one flyer that scries one ETB, which we've seen like Fairy Seer, which scries two. So you play in modern ninjas. It is blue, so you'd have to be like blue black ninjas. So that would be a possibility. Maybe like uh spectral adversaries kind of cute. Like you can pick it back Sky up and face stuff out later. So in black, I don't know if there's a ton, especially if you also need evasion uh to make it work. But I think there are enough good options to build a pretty powerful deck around it in standard. No, like legit Skyclave Appetizer, Brutal Cathar. These are cards yeah. that maybe they're not in black, but they are things that you like, of course, Elite Spellbinder itself. Actually, Ooh. if you really want to be annoying to the control deck, you bounce that back and then you hit them with this and then you play that again. All right. So how, how, how serious are we for modern? Are we really playing this outside of a ninja deck in modern or is this just a strictly ninja tech? Uh, okay ninja tempo and maybe fair uh, rogues and fairies that's that's four decks yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at like picking up your spell stutter sprites or picking up your ninja stuff like that's really good but just jamming this into like jund or something is probably uh, a non-starter but like, well jund plays you know, like a tempo deck that's not a ninja deck right yeah, yeah. well fairies Okay, yeah, like yeah. like spell setter sprite right now is like probably at an all time high, right? That card is like absurdly good. <laughs> I Minus have seen a lot of people playing that lately for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if you've played against me. Like the only time I log on, I'm like hell, <laughs> hell yeah, let's live. Like bitter blossom just came out. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we have Rizona Asari Commander. One red and a white, so three man value, three three legendary creature, human samurai, haste. When it deals combat damage to a player, if it doesn't have an indestructible counter on it, put an indestructible counter on it. Whenever combat damage is dealt to you, remove an indestructible counter from Rizona. So I wanted this one on the list because I'm really curious if this card, do you think it's good? Is this card good at all? I believe the kids uh, would say this slaps. 
or or this is very cash money. Um, <laughs> I don't know what those words mean. Does that mean it's good or not? It <laughs> <laughs> hasn't clarified anything. I would say, yeah, this seems pretty good, right? I mean, well, <laughs> I think it's good. We, we have an issue of grading cards on a 2011 curve, right? But But I think in the year 2022... A three mana three three haste that can oh, hold on it has to deal combat damage to a player. Hmm, it, it, it has to hit it itself has to hit someone to get indestructible counter, and ne- then when you are hit, you remove an indestructible counter. Oh, in that I, case, if it has to hit to get the counter in the first place, then I'm gonna walk back what I said. The kids do not say that about this card. What they do say is, I, I learned this from a uh, Valorant and a uh, <laughs> having a uh, voice chat on. Uh, it is dog water. Um, so, <laughs> so that is so not good, good Seth. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Is, <laughs> I mean, my dog this loves is... water. He's always drinking. <laughs> There's always drinking stuff. <laughs> Uh, I mean, really, though, this seems like here's my thinking. I think this could be a good sideboard card. So what I'm envisioning is like uh, you're playing a random Naya midrange pile or some sort of Boros pile. I don't know if this is worth it in the main deck, because if you play against mono green or mono white or some eye twitch deck, like they're just going to hit you back like the monarch and commander. Like, sure, you get indestructible, but then they hit you and it's not indestructible. But against a control deck. This seems like it could be kind of legit. Like, you get in that one hit, a control deck isn't likely to have creatures to get the indestructibility counter off of it, and then it's going to be really hard for it to deal with. It doesn't get hit by Vanishing Verse, even one of the big instant speed removal spells. Downside is it does get bounced still, which is a bit of a issue potentially, even though bounce spells are kind of on a downswing since we've had the latest BNR and we don't have, you know, Epiphany decks at the top of the meadow. You don't see as many fading hopes as we used to, but what about just being like a, a sideboard sniper to bring in against control and fight through Rass or whatever against control? I, I mean, the thing here is that that would be great if and if because like i think there's going to be a huge shift in the removal that's played everything will have to be instant speed to combat vehicles creature lands obviously all the good creatures ninjutsu so i think instant speed removal is gonna be an all-time high of course dies to removal is a bad argument against like because everything dies to removal but I, I don't know, for three mana, if this connects, I'm not even sure it wins the game with Indestructible, right? You have Shadow's Verdict, a popular sweeper, um, which g- ignores Indestructible, and, and, and you have Fading Hope, which just bounces this. So, it, normally, yeah, like, dies to removal isn't a great argument, but there really is a lot of things out like that are efficient answers right now in standard and i mean i think it's a good argument when the whole gimmick of the card is being indestructible like the whole reason you play this is so it doesn't die so if it's still dying then like then it's a three three for three and we know that's not gonna we're not in bogart ram gang (laughs) era of standard anymore or whatever so (laughs) it's also not big enough like say you somehow manage to get it down you can hit like your control player like five times and they're cool with it right before they dig up an answer like it's not like increasing in threat it's not really doing much and you know like a three four blocks it we were laughing about ishin but turns out ishin being a three man a three four just like stops this cold in his tracks right like so while it sounds nice there's like so many gotchas to it so you know initially i had the same thought of Seth. like you slap down his control player what are they going to do and the answer is they're going to get hit six times and then deal with you afterwards, right? (laughs) Like, it's not enough. It doesn't snowball like the other cards we have today, which is good in terms of game design, but with all the other cards that snowball, like, it's not the same, right? Like, you know, if this was like a Rangers class or something that like drew you cards and kept growing, then yeah, this would be outrageous, but... Not not even comparing it to like, obviously, one of the most powerful green cards in standard. Like, regardless, just within this set, I just don't think it does enough, right? Like, cause like there's so many better things I could do in this set for three mana. I could, I could literally play more vehicles. I could play, you know. It's also legendary, which is another, like, this this is where you like shake your head at commander, right? Like (laughs) it's now legendary. So like it, it, it lowers the quality for standard. Like you can't jam four of them in your deck. You can't build your deck around it. It's like very difficult to navigate now that they're legendaries. Unless you really want to go crazy and play mirror box or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a little awkward, right? Because if they somehow do dispatch it, you want a second one to keep your game plan going. 
or, you know, better yet, you stack two of them, right? Like if they really don't have an exile wrath, now they'll die really quick if you have two of them attacking every turn, but you can't because they're legendary. I will say in general, I feel like we get too many legendaries now, but I'm really willing to give wizards a pass on Kamigawa because that's kind of like the the whole gimmick of Kamigawa. Even the original Kamigawa was like, wasn't that like one of the one of the original sets with a whole bunch of like uncommon legends and stuff? So in the case of Kamigawa, print all the legends you want. Although I will say like the versions of this that were good, the more I think about it, like a Danto Vanguard or Season Hollow Blade. They were both two mana, and the difference between two and three is kind of big, and you didn't have to, like, hit your opponent to make them indestructible, so I don't know. The more we talk about this, the lower I'm getting on it for <laughs> for standard play. <laughs> wow, we're, we're ruining Seth's fun. <laughs> Seth is like the kid on Christmas, like, look, look, look oh. what I got, look what I got, and we're just like... That sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah, next up, Richard and Krim explain why Panharmonicon's not good anymore. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, actually. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Thousand Faced Shadow, uh, a single blue. So it's a one drop, one, one creature, human ninja, ninjutsu, two blue, blue, flying. When it enters the battlefield from your hand, if it's attacking, create a token that's a copy of another target attacking creature. The token enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. Oh my god, those cards like the best ninja. Like, all right. If you've ever played ninjas, ninjas want well, two things. They want one mana or cheap evasive creatures to ninjutsu off of. And then they want things yep. to ninjutsu into play. This does both. It's like a split card. This is your your eye twitch or your changeling outcast yeah. or whatever like evasive ninja you need. But it also is kind of absurd if you ninjutsu into play on turn four because it's going to be able to copy your ingenious infiltrator, your biting palm ninja, or whatever like crazy ninja you have. And it doesn't say until end of turn. It sticks around. Like, it just makes a token copy of it that's there forever. Yeah. It's not like the red ones that go away. So I think this is like a foundational ninja for ninja decks across formats all the way back to modern. Yeah. I think this is this is the one drop that makes the deck work. Essentially, it's just so, so perfect for what ninja decks want. If you're playing a ninja deck, this is in it. It's it's as yeah. simple as that. This is in it there. And, and it's not like, oh, maybe it's a one of. No, it's a it's a four of this is a this is in it. This is exactly what you want, much like Seth had mentioned. And. That, you know, that still blows my mind. I first read it as, oh, and the tokens go away at the end of the turn, right? That's that's what I remember when I was reading that card because that's just naturally how most of these things go. But no, they're permanent. They stay. Hello? <laughs> that's amazing. Ah, crazy. So good. Yeah, this is, I think, the first good card we've talked about. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. All the way back to modern, right? Like, it's, like, so good, right? Like, it does everything. And it's it's actually kind of narrow in the sense that, you know, it's a, it goes in a ninja deck, but it's like an early game bomb as a 1-1 flyer. And then when you ninjutsu it, uh, you get to actually use this ninjutsu ability, uh, which copies something permanently, right? So this, this card is really good. All ninja decks, uh, modern, commander, standard, alchemy, whatever, right? Like every, every format you can play this in, uh, it seems really good. I think so Richard good. just took a dump on our favorite cards. He said Biting Palm Ninja is a meme and <laughs> says no <laughs> Richard card. We actually, we got Richard to like a magic card. It happened. Yeah. <laughs> we won. We won. This card is just so OP that this, this is basically circle of loyalty. Like, I don't know how, like... What? <laughs> I mean, it's possible this doesn't see play because ninja somehow sucks, but, like, that, that would be shocking to me. This card seems, like, super pushed for the, the ninja archetype. Yeah, like if uh, ninjas are good, this card is good. If ninjas uh, aren't good, whoa, then whoa, whoa, we wording, got question, Seth, but. wording. When ninjas are good. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Krim, remember Circle of Loyalty and our hype <laughs> for knights and how they did not This is nothing. how the magic gods will get us. Ninjas yeah. are unplayable trash. And then, like, <laughs> the most hype card. <laughs> I, I'm calling it now, and I'm willing to eat my words at the end of the year or at rotation. <laughs> Ninjas I mean, U- are. Umezawa fixes all ninjas, right? Because everything's a ninja now, so it's like it's got to be good, right? Right, it's gotta. Yeah. But on top of that, just like without Umezawa, <laughs> the, the has to be good. Ninjas are still good, even without Umezawa. Ninjas will be good. They'll be so good that you thought settle the wreckage gave people trust issues. Wait until ninjutsu happens. Kamigawa was nowhere near what it, how big magic is now. So when, when, oh boy, I can't wait to see how the new people deal with, with ninjutsu. And it's just like, but, well, that's an un, un, that's an unblocked goose. 
do I do I kill that? <laughs> I, I, I got to kill that, right? <laughs> but is there any way to pull off the the GG emo trick with ninjas, Krim? That's the real question. Oh yes, <laughs> that, the equivalent to that is I say GG. They use removal on it, and I've got a grip yeah. full of lance. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of ninjas, yet another legendary ninja, Katose, the silent spider, three huh. blue and a black, four, four. When it enters the battlefield, exile target card other than a basic land from an opponent's graveyard. Search that player's graveyard and library uh, for any number of cards with the same name as that card and exile them. Then that player shuffles. For as long as you control Katose, you may play one of the exiled cards, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. Okay. So, this- like, extirpate, but you can <laughs> cast that card. A 4-4 four, four extirpate, by the way, in the ninja tribe? Did you mention Umizawa just a few seconds ago? And also is 90% of the reason why I put this card on here because I'm in love with the showcase art? Uh, <laughs> yes. But on top, but the 10% also is like, yo, that's a ninja that you could cheat in. Okay. This, this seems uh, like it could be good. It could be good as a one of. This is like a nice spicy one of. This card is weird to me. Uh, so the power of extra pay or like surgical extraction is that they're cheap. I can't imagine, especially outside of standard, that a that a five mana extra pay is going to be fast enough. So I kind of crossed it off my modern list. In standard, it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of hostage taker in a weird way. How you get this ETB that also allows you to cast the thing, although you're not getting anything off the battlefield. Uh, so I don't know. And then it's not really worded in a way that makes it that exciting for commander i guess you could just play it in a theft deck just because it's a way to steal your opponent's stuff but in commander everything's one of anyway so an extirpate doesn't really do a whole lot in most almost uh, all decks i mean i guess if you run into my shadowborn apostle deck you got me but <laughs> otherwise <laughs> nice shadowborn apostle deck or not but legit <sighs> I, I think that, okay, the one thing is, the cards that you have mentioned, yes, they're cheap, but they're card disadvantage, right? Like, they don't do anything, they don't give you a body, uh, this, this is a 4-4, four, four. that could be fun, uh, in the late game, because now you can, you're like, you don't just have to pick a card, like, you, that, that you need to hate out, you can pick their utility spell, you can pick, I don't know, so, something useful, right? And then you can play that. I think picking something useful is probably a good plan, I'm on board with yes. that part. <laughs> yes, but but the thing here is like I'm avid uh, like I'm pretty much against the the unmoored egos and whatnot outside of like maybe a format where it has a bunch of decks that are extremely reliant on like one to two cards, right? So like if I'm able to like unmoored ego or Tron land, that's great. But like in standard, I didn't play that except as a meme. Uh, and then and then like yeah, like in in historic, I wouldn't play that. So but this here allows it kind of gets around. I feel like it could be a good fun of. Yeah, but I don't know. It's a, it's I don't know about ball. it. Actually I, I think being you good. play it for the art to flex, and then yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm trying to justify the game. You didn't the game because you played this card. <laughs> <laughs> it, you, okay. Instead of spending five mana or you know using your ninjutsu ability or something useful, like you decide to play this. <laughs> this is like so expensive for an extra pay. It's so expensive. It's more it's, than an extra pay. Come on, and its body is not very good. It's only a four four for five. Like it's twenty twenty two four four for, for five. A ninja, is, anything above I mean, two the power. Is they, oh. they played a really powerful card. You somehow didn't die. It's in their graveyard. You play this. You untap, and then you play that powerful card back to kill them. Like, Hell yeah! It seems very <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I actually feel like the best use is going to be to get to like seven mana and just like play this hit a removal spell kill something kind of like hostage you remember playing with hostage shaker where like yeah you're always really nervous about running it out without being able to cast the spell that you're exiling because you know if your opponent kills it then they get everything back so you try to wait sometimes until you have enough mana to get something and cast it right away to get around that i almost wonder if this is going to be played in a similar way because it does have to stay on the battlefield it's not like a a ganti where you exile the card and can cast it forever it has to stay on the battlefield to cast it so i don't know i think the card's just, cool just but wait. five mana uh, snapcaster from your wait i'm gonna i'm gonna steal basically 
I'm gonna steal all your channel lands. I can't do anything with them, but like the thing here is, I'm gonna steal them or your MDFCs, and you're gonna be so upset, dude. You're not all my land count. <laughs> you're deck thinning for me, Graham. I I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. This this is definitely ninety percent showcase art. Why I love it, and then I'm gonna jam it because of that, and then I'm gonna be like, oh man, why didn't I just hold up counter magic? <laughs> all right, uh, moving on from ninjas to V. Vehicles, Reckoner Bankbuster, two generic mana, 4-4 artifact vehicle. It enters a battlefield with three charge counters, two and tap, remove a charge counter, draw a card. If there are no charge counters on Reckoner Bankbuster, create a treasure token, a 1-1 colorless pilot creature token with this creature. Cruise vehicles as though it were two or its power were two or greater. Crew three. Th- this card is the truth. Uh, like, this is not only an honorary ninja, it's a goblin, it's an everything, because I think it's gonna go in so many decks. Like, this thing just pretty much has changeling on it. What did we have last time? Treasure map? That card wasn't even that good, now that I look back on it, and that was, like, played. But, but, like, Maze Mind Tome was huge, right? So, this, this is just better. Like, this is just strictly better. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how this card can be anything but very good. Like, to me, it reads like a mostly upgraded Maze Mind Stone. And Maze Mind Stone's a card that you still see a little play in Modern sometimes, and like Eldrazi Tron decks. We just played it in Historic on stream like a week ago, and not for like a meme, but because it was actually like a card we thought was optimal. This card seems so good to me. Like, in the early game, it draws. Then eventually, it beats down. It can be aggro. It can work in control. I think the only reason the only time when i would prefer maze mind stone is maybe in like dedicated creature free control where the four life is really relevant and you might have a hard time crewing this but outside of that i feel like in mid-range and aggro and in control decks that can actually crew it this seems just like way better maze mind stone and maze mind stone was like a legit standard staple that card's all playing so many decks so i think this card's really really good in standard and probably has a bit of a chance to see play in older formats too all right break it's break our hearts block. Right. Yeah. No. Or or tags. <laughs> oh. Right. Oh, Richard like, likes you it. You know, like if you, if you're a control deck or you're a slow deck, right? Like you have some dirty creatures, you can actually just suit up and block to buy still you activate it, to yeah. actually draw the cards, right? So it's really good, and you can attack if for some like you know you're you know you're playing control mirror or something. Your opponent has their pants down, right? You're like okay, crew up, attack, right? Like you, so you actually, laugh, but lol. Even just like. Oh yeah, Soaring? pressuring a planeswalker. Even just yeah. pressuring a planeswalker well, no, is huge. Pressuring planeswalkers while also playing those planeswalkers means you're pooping out bodies, so you're able to crew this. It's more likely than you think it would, just because things incidentally make bodies. Plus, we have that yeah. land <laughs> that does it. So if you're control yeah. deck, you can you can play a copy or two of that to to turn it on too. Oh, maybe it gains you more life than than a maze mind. So like, if you block one thing. You've kind of gained the four life that Maze Mind Stone would. So I think that's even better than I was thinking it was. It's also a win con, right? <laughs> like, yeah. this is your finisher. This is better than Snapcaster beats. Um, this is much what, better than What, what do we think about the motorcycle rat art? What do we, how are we feeling? The motorcycle rat <laughs> art is uh, <laughs> definitely a meatball. And I'm kind of like, okay, I, 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 I can get down with that. I can get down with that, but. I'll, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I like I like it probably a little bit more than the normal art, just because of how absurd it is. <laughs> I, I'm just totally hyped for for standard being like yeah, modern day gangsters. Once we get to New Capna versus first rat bikers, <laughs> like that's like the sweetest the sweetest idea. Like who wouldn't want to play rat bikers versus gangster standard? So so we're going. Let me get this straight. We're going to have a school of wizards versus Vikings versus. <laughs> <laughs> rats on motorcycles and nico bolas in a trench coat and a tommy gun got it <laughs> my immersion crib <laughs> high fantasy uh, all right so many people Muku, just like roll muko tai right soul ripper one in a black four three art artifact vehicle when muko i can't say this Muk-tai? Muk-tai. me they're apparently yeah <laughs> And I'm also Bukatai not sure Soul Ripper right. attacks. You may sacrifice another artifact or creature. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on Soul Ripper. It gains menace until end of turn. Crew two. All right. Ooh. I feel like this is like the... I feel like this card's busted. I feel like this is like the best card in the set, non-land category for standard. Maybe I'm like too 
too hyped for this card, but when I read this card, it reads absurdly powerful in our current format. Like, uh, it's evasive, it's gonna get huge, it's already above the curve, and we're in a standard where black decks are all about sacking stuff. You're sacking eye twitches and shambling gas, and this can sack artifacts like useless blood tokens, like semi-useful treasure tokens. Uh, I'm blood, like, just blood useful so, now. So scared, so scared of this card. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is like top three of my favorite and I think best cards for standard from the set at least. And I think it's got a chance in older formats where like Black Agrodex and Pioneer, they're all built around these recursive one drops, Bloodsoak Champion. And that's like the core of those decks, which are like free sacrifice fodder. And this attacks on turn three is a five, four, and it keeps growing throughout the game. And it gets menace. Like this card seems absolutely busted to me. What am I, am I missing? seeing something or is this card busted i mean yeah like i i'm kind of right there with you i think this card is very very good um uh, like it just does everything you want it to do right and last time we like we we had mentioned you know uh when we were talking amongst ourselves like you know smuggler's copter was pretty good right like it was a it was a pretty decent magic card uh and mono black played that but now mono black has a different vehicle just it being a vehicle means that it gets around all the sorcery sweepers so now your opponent's got to have a nice mixture they can't just be board wipe city or else they lose the game um because yeah like this this will grow and the sack outlet is absurd so it is as good as i think you think it is is this like offensive uh Lovestruck Beast. <laughs> I mean, it like, It kind of feels like that to it's me. It's like, like so this, big, yeah, right? Like turn three, you're attacking. Uh, you're, you're basically turning any of your dirtily drops, like whatever you're using to crew this, into like a five plus power creature, like a Lovestruck Beast, right? So yeah. irrespective of actual synergies. Uh, so this just seems really strong. You can't, like if you want to block, it becomes more difficult. But as an attacker, I think it's pretty strong. And it makes everything Lovestruck Beast, right? Yeah, and it keeps growing throughout the game. So yeah. every attack you get in is going to add another counter and make it more likely that it can get in the next attack. So, wow, this card just closes it up has the game so quick. It's like if Lovestruck Beast had Menace, just for funsies, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> like, for funsies. like what? <laughs> and, just for funsies. And we have decks for sacrificing subs and upside. Like, you want your eye twitch to die. You want your shambling gas to die a lot of times. So I feel like it's not that hard to build around this with what we have in current standard. Like, the card pool just supports it so well. All this talk of sacrificing eye twitch, and no one wants to ask how eye twitch feels about this. <laughs> <laughs> so older formats where the thing you sack can actually just crew, like, you know, grave crawler. Yeah, yeah. Bloodsoak Champ doesn't even play that, but you could. Uh, the 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 thing that's haste and landfall thingy that everyone plays. Brushfire Elemental. No, 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 no. The the, the two one spirit black. There's a black yes. landfall creature. Yes, the 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 the, the, the thing the, the thing that all like like sacrifice decks play graveyard decks play. Oh my god, Cauldron yes. Familiar. Blood gas? Cauldron Familiar. Blood gas. Oh, blood gas. Blood gas. Blood gas. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, 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 there yes. we go. Like there, there's a lot of legitimate creatures that already see play today that or that can see play that can be uh, recurred quite easily to keep this going. I, I think it's got a shot. Kind of modern? Uh, a modern, uh, modern, maybe. I actually think Pioneer and Historic. I'm really yeah. high on it. Like in Pioneer, there's already a mono black aggro deck that's using Bloodsoak Champion, Dreadwander is our one drops. Those are both recursive one drops. This seems just built to go in a deck like that. Same with uh, with Historic. You can build a mono black deck with those same cards and have this really powerful thing that you're kind of crewing for free by sacrificing your Bloodsoak Champion or whatever. Modern becomes a little more hit or miss. I think it'd be possible to build a deck like that, but there isn't like a pre-existing tier deck. I don't think that this just slots into. Although it's all lures decks. It does work with Luris. I was gonna, yeah, that was where I was gonna go with that. Like, it does work with Luris, and Luris kind of doesn't mind things going in the graveyard. So, I think it's got a shot, even in modern. Beautiful crews this. Yeah, I mean, crew two is not that high of a number. That's what yeah. makes it beautiful: the fact that it's got a low crew cost and it itself is cheap. So, it's exactly what you want. It's giving me Smuggler's Copter vibes. It's like so easy to crew and like so easy to enable. Oh, but I, it is black. <laughs> That's yeah. I honestly feel like the vehicles from Kamigawa 
are as strong as the vehicles uh, from Kaladesh, which were the broken ones. They got banned in some formats, with the one downside being the Kamigawa ones that are strong all have colored mana. So I don't think we're going to be able to see the like ultra staple level play just because it's not going to fit in as many decks. But in the decks these vehicles fit in, I think they're on par with the Heart of Kirin's and Aethersphere Harvesters and Smuggler's Copter era vehicles. All right. Speaking of vehicles, the blue one, Mindlink Mech, Tuna Blue. 4-3 artifact vehicle flying when it becomes crewed for the first time each turn until end of turn it becomes a copy of target non-legendary creature that crewed it this turn except it's a 4-3 it's a vehicle artifact in addition to its other types and it has flying crew one uh yes please yes please this card is amazing right and because like specifically look at that down at the bottom that is crew one that's a very easy task, like a very low bar to hit. On top of that, it gives you the evasion. You know what? Ninjas in a freaking flying ship thing. This is possible. <laughs> 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 but like legit though, the cloning clause I think could be pretty big. Um, think, think like some of the cemetery like uh, cards, like Cemetery Illuminator. When that enters the battlefield or attacks, right? You exile a card from the yard. So now, you know, like the turn you play the Illuminator, you can crew uh, using the Illuminator. Now this is going to attack. Of course, uh, like like there, there's just numerous things that you could have this become. The, wor- the world's your oyster as long as it's non-legendary. And I think that's pretty good. And as long as, you know, we were, we were kind of memeing earlier on attack triggers, but maybe maybe there are enough things to where like them attacking and connecting is good enough. Like, like another ninja's ability, right? Or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think ninja's is a good home. I When I look at vehicles, uh, and if you think about the ones that are good, you're looking for three things. Big stats. So, above the curve stats, which four, three for three, check. Uh, and then you want evasion, flying, check. And then you want additional upside, which cloning something that accrues, also check. To me, this hits all the marks of a playable vehicle. I think that even without the upside of the cloning thing, just having this big body is pretty impressive. It's going to close out the game really quickly. I got to say, in standard, there's one thing that has me really excited about this, which is a Freet Flame Painter. A Freet Flame Painter. Four mana one four with double strike, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you can cast the instant or sorcery from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. Uh, it's so perfect for this in standard. I've tried to make a free flame planer work in standard, and if you can hit someone with it, it's kind of busted. There's no mana restriction. You'll be casting your whatever eight mana sorceries like huge big splashy things the problem is it's all one for a ground creature it's almost impossible to actually attack with it but you can play this and then the next turn flame painter and immediately crew it and smack with a four three double striker and cast two things from your graveyard for free like that sounds kind of absurd or like dreadhorde arcanist in historic can you imagine like a four power arcanist attacking so you can flashback more expensive spells so i think there's actually some really sweet just really really sweet with this card and it comes attached to an above the curve body so i think this one's really really strong too i think there's gonna be a lot of salty players i think this is like the most unfair card ever <laughs> like, like people wait, wait, are wait, not wait, gonna wait, do what? like fair things with this oh, oh definitely not <laughs> right like they're gonna use this as a way to give your like insane card invasion and haste right and like smack mm-hmm. like seth was saying you smack people get your triggers like whatever like this will not be used in a fair manner so i actually think this card is like a little problematic we'll see what people brew up but it you know it gives me like uh combo vibes which i don't know if we're ready for that in standard i guess you can remove it so it's not like horrendous it's like you can still interact with it but you will probably die out of nowhere because of this card. <laughs> yeah, the, the vehicles are the strongest part of the set, I think. I think the vehicles from this set are just so, so good, which caught me by surprise because uh, after Wizards printed like the busted first run of vehicles, they haven't really printed very good vehicles outside of Azika's Chariot, which I think is unique because of its <laughs> ETB trigger, but <laughs> discounting Chariot, which I think Did is you... kind of an accident, like... You They're also so forgot about the submarine, the blue, blue one that just does Silent nothing. Submersible. Yeah, I, I literally forgot about that card. I've been, I've been trying to forget since the day I read the spoiler. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they did a good job, right? Like that, like much like Seth had mentioned, I did not expect vehicles 
to be one of the more powerful things to come from this. So, wow, good job. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to brew around them. Like all the vehicles are just so sweet. Good job. Uh, and oh, they made yeah. smugglers copter again. I'm not sure I want to hand out the good job to them, <laughs> but you know, th- there's colors on it, right? Like it's fixed. You can't just jam this in literally every deck, right? There's colors on these vehicles. You know, there's there's actual like stipulations. <laughs> so maybe it's okay. Yeah. I mean, but I think Seth is right. They are pretty strong, surprisingly strong. I thought they were gun shy about vehicles after the first incident. <laughs> I feel like Wizards did the same thing with with equipment too. It seems like their current technique, because equipment went through the same issue where it was really busted, and then we didn't even get anything close to playable equipment for a long time. <laughs> and now we started to get slightly better equipment. And I think that Wizards' technique is add colored mana with vehicles and with equipment. That seems to be their like solution to be able being able to push the card type a little bit and we'll see if it works i mean if these vehicles are just good and they don't break anything then i think that would be a pretty good a pretty good sign that that theory of making colored artifacts rather than colorless artifacts is actually a pretty good one for constructed give me colored gta come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> <commander> right set. <laughs> give, give me a command give me give me like a single blue gta <laughs> uh so i think those are all the cards you want to talk about uh any thoughts on the set as a whole how do we feel about the themes of the set. Uh, oh, yes. All right. yes. I was I was skeptical heading into Kamigawa. I've never been a huge Kamigawa fan. I always have thought of it as kind of underpowered. I don't have any special connection to the flavor of it. And the set won me over. After seeing the spoilers, the flavor is great. The cards seem really strong. I think this might be the strongest set in standard, or at least one of the strongest sets in standard. Overall, I really, really love this app. My only criticism, and I hope I'm wrong here, but the sagas seem really bad. (laughs) We haven't talked about many sagas during our spoiler podcast because I think the sagas are just like really, really, really bad. So that's my one disappointment. They're probably going to be sweet for limited, I guess. But as far as 60 card constructed formats, I feel like the sagas are a really big whiff. Every other part of the set, though, themes, flavors, mechanics, power level, I I just love. It's so good. Yeah, so I, I'm actually pretty, I, I resonate with Seth there in that I think everything outside of the sagas are actually really good. But I, I will say that the sagas do have some pretty cool artwork on there. They're very, like, visually pleasing. Uh, this time around, I'm kind of surprised. Like, they went, like, the the expectations, right, for this this set were very high. And I think that they were able to not only just meet it, but meet it and go a little beyond uh, they, they hit every checkbox. I think in power level, uh, it's not like an Ixalan miserable, uh, of boring. It's not El- like, oh, I guess I can't say this yet, but I can't imagine this being Eldraine 2.0. And then on top of that, it's got wonderful flavor. Uh, they did a good job. They, like, there's literally a visual novel, uh, coming out with this. And I'm not saying that just because, like, technically I'm in it, which I mentioned to Seth earlier that I think this makes me canon in magic. Uh, but, but like legitimately they, they went all in on the story here that like, or they, they added story. They added, you know, they, they give it, they gave us Tamio complete. They, they did so many cool things. They, they casually brought back Phyrexian mana, by the way. I don't know if anyone just, that, that kind of just got overlooked for one card. Only one card yeah, got one it. Card? I- I feel like this is still, I feel like we're still building to something with that, with the Praetors and now Phyrexian mana, like, we gotta be building towards some big return to Phyrexia at some point, probably next year, I think, because we already know this year's set, so I'm expecting, like, that's what next year's gonna be about. Oh, for sure, right? Because, I mean, they're, they're, like, representing that they're slowly building up, like, up each Praetor. So we're going to see them kind of sprinkled out through the multiverse. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I like how they put the Praetors in here without overwhelming the flavor of the set. Like, I think when we did Battle for Zendikar or whatever, like, we lost the, the Zendikar feel and it just felt like weird Eldrazi set. So here we have Praetor presence, but it's still, like, very Kamigawa. And I think the showcase uh, cards are, like, amazing. I think the alternate art styles and everything really add to the flavor of the set. And so much that I'm actually thinking about buying a collector's booster or set booster Ooh. box for the set, which <laughs> they I got Richard. don't buy. They got Richard. <laughs> they kind of got me, right? With like all this cool, like, I, you know, like if I open like some garbage card, like what is this? Imperial Subduer? I don't know, but it has cool art. I'm like, cool, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I could collect some, you know, anime cards or whatever, play with them in some sane game. 
uh, there's a lot of commander cards here. Like, you know, we know there will be commander staples. Uh, there's a lot of legendaries I want to play with, the, the channel cards, the equipment, the vehicles. So, like, it actually, like, the, oddly enough, it doesn't feel like a standard set to me. It feels like a commander supplemental product, but it's, like, and it has, like, really cool art. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm all for buying it. And then I guess I'll play standard with it. Um, but, you know, I'm more excited about the other aspects of it like i you know i actually like unironically want to play ishin but in commander and not in standard <laughs> right like it's a pretty cool card right so uh, yeah. i think they did a good job and i think the sales will reflect it we'll see if everyone's a weeb or not we'll see if people get in on this showcase style uh because i can see people being like this is not the fantasy i signed up for right <laughs> but you know people have been saying that for a long time and then, oh yeah, the, the lands. Don't, don't forget about the, the gorgeous lands that are coming in the set as well, right? I mean, the thing that gives me hope is I'm not really a weeb and I don't really know like anime or whatever. And I think the showcase art, it just looks really cool. And I, uh, and I like, I see all these other people that are like, oh, that's this like really famous artist that did this book I've never heard of or whatever. And like, so other people are excited about it for that reason, but I don't know any of that stuff and it still looks really cool to me. So I think if it's working for me and I know as little about that as possible, it's gotta be exciting to other people as well who are like me that don't even, you know, that aren't super connected to that world, but still can just appreciate how cool the art is. So I think it's going to do really well. All right. Uh, so I guess last topic was Mark Rosewater's uh, post about, are there too many words on cards nowadays? Uh, Kamigawa has topped the charts in terms of like number of words per card. Uh, and faces, I guess, of cards and things like that as well. So, like, what do you guys think about like the complexity of the game? Is like, is this too much? Are we, are we, have we crossed the threshold? Are we just right? I mean, <laughs> this is this is fine. I I I don't even think it's that bad anymore. <clears throat> Maybe fine. I've gotten I've gotten used to it. It's fine for me. As someone who loves Time Spiral, is like my favorite set, and I played Magic for a long time, I do think there is a couple of concerns that I would have. One is, I'm not really sure how I would start teaching a new player to play Magic with the current crop of cards. They they are pretty complex, and I don't know, where, where would you even start? Like, what deck would you give someone if you wanted them to learn magic for the first time. So I do think that's a concern. The other concern I have is I feel like some of the uses of words have not been very productive with maybe like the Strixhaven Deans being the biggest <laughs> example. Like those are cards that have a ton of words, but those words don't really do anything. Uh, so it seems like a waste to have all that complexity almost unnecessarily. When other cards, uh, like the March cycle from Kamigawa, they have a huge wall of text, but it kind of makes sense. Like all those words are being used to describe this cost reduction effect. And then the actual effect is pretty straightforward and gronkable. So I feel like it really depends on the cards. The other thing is like, I feel like it makes paper worse just having so many double face cards. That's a, it doesn't affect me directly because I don't really play a whole lot of paper, but I've certainly heard a lot of paper players be like, you know, like it's pretty obnoxious that so many cards are double faced that I got to constantly be unsleeving, resleeving, which if they're not going to put shuffling into standard because it takes too much time, I got to imagine that having tons of people, you know, their games be slowed down because they got to constantly be taking cards out of their sleeves and trying to flip them around and back and forth. Like that's probably not a great thing either. Right. So it works for me, but I do think there is a concern about new players and how do you, and paper players to a lesser extent, but how do you teach someone to play magic with the current crop of super complex cards? I don't really have an answer to that. I'm concerned about me, Seth. I don't understand any of these cards. Like, I think like, you know, after we do previews, right? You start thinking like, you know, oh, I, you know, what deck should I brew for standard? How can I break the meta? Like, the set is so large now, I can't even like piece that together. Like, there's so many cards, they do so many things, they have so many sides. Like, I can't think and like build a deck in my mind. Like, my I've run out of brain capacity. So I I feel like it's a problem beyond new players. I think you know, as a longtime player, there's just too many things. There's too many mechanics now. Like, what does ninjutsu actually do? Like, when I read Umezawa, there's no reminder text for what ninjutsu does, right? So I need to know exactly, you know, does it have to hit? Does it have to be unblocked? You know, what, what are the exact rules for ninjutsu? 
And, you know, that card is the same, right? You have to pick another card with Reminder Text for Ninjutsu to figure it out. So I actually think it's too complex for long-time Magic players. Like, it's really hard to brew because you need to know every card in Standard and what every card does. And it's really hard to, like, conceptualize that when the cards are so complicated. Like, each Saga has, like, 18 abilities, a backside, an attack trigger, an ETB. You know, it's, like, so complicated. So I actually wish it was... Simpler, you'd be like Delver. It's a three-two that flies. Okay, you know that's pretty. That's already pretty complex back in its day, right? But now we have like five ETB triggers and and all this nonsense, right? So it's a little difficult to brew with. I don't know, man. I I, I think maybe I've just gotten used to it, but I feel like Magic players are, you know, I would say generally pretty smart, right? That <laughs> we 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 should we we keep track of a lot of things already. Uh, we deal with a lot of like overlaps of different mechanics, the stack, all this other stuff. So a few sentences, a few additional sentences just doesn't seem that bad anymore. Uh, maybe it's because of playing in a world where there's just lots and lots of text now. And that's totally fine. I, I think I've gotten used to it. Like it doesn't phase me anymore. But what if you only had like two hours a week to play magic? Two hours a week, but like regardless, you I know, mean, and like how much of that time is just spent literally reading cards, <laughs> right? Like, like literally just reading, right, and trying to understand them, let alone like actually trying to play the game. But I mean, like, wow. ma- like Magic players, whether or not they they like play for half an hour a week or like thirty hours a week, that like they all can still remember, you know, mechanics and interactions and and cards that have existed from like four, like I don't know, twenty years ago, right? So. I don't know. We, we keep track of a lot of things and I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's that bad anymore. Like it, as long as it's not unnecessary, like where in that, like a, a game that I, I have been recently playing again a lot is Yu-Gi-Oh and a game that needs keywords and like stuff like that is Yu-Gi-Oh. They have a lot of cards that, and their cards are smaller than magic cards and they have a lot of things that could just be simply f- solved, save like 400 text spaces by keywords but magic uh like magic just has keywords so that that limits things and you know the the extra long text doesn't take away from the gameplay so far so it it's fine it's it's only once it's like pointless like how i feel like a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards have a lot of just unneeded words i mean i kind of feel like the channel lands i don't know maybe have some unneeded word like uh, when i read those cards do you think they need the like random legendary cost reduction? Why, why, why is it even on there? Like the cards would read a lot shorter in a lot cleaner and play the same in a lot of situations if that wasn't even on there. So is that a case where those words are unnecessary and they could have made essentially the same card with half the text on it by not putting that on there? Or do you think that that's actually something that like improves the card? Like those are kind of the decisions that I wonder about, like, do we really need that? Or would we benefit more if we had half the text and did not have that ability, which I guess is designed for commander primarily because you always have a legend in the command zone. But I don't know. What do you think about something like that? Like, is that an unnecessary word or is that actually improving the card in the game? I mean, haven't we had abilities like this before? Essentially, now there's just kind of like a name tied to it. I mean, I mean, we've had channel before. But right? I mean, yeah. that's asking, like, do we need to reduce the cost for each legendary? Like, could you not balance the initial cost and just remove this altogether? Yeah, and it would have half the text on it, basically. If you didn't have the one less to activate for each legendary creature you control, like, does that well, do enough in terms of gameplay to make it worth three extra lines of text on the card? I think those well, are some you, of the decisions we got to make. You got you got to think about it, though, gameplay-wise, and then you also juggle the 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 flavor side of magic, right? And last time we were in Kamigawa, it was heavily legendary-based, right? We had Hero's Demise, uh, which was just a Doomblade for legendary creatures only. So there was lots of legendaries, and this was before Commander. So, like, I, I, I think... I think it makes sense why they would try to do something like that. Like for each legendary you control, it would be cheaper. So yeah. I, I think that checks like, like the, the lands, they make sense here. Now, if this were just something in every set where it was just kind of completely pointless, then, then yeah, I, I think that's time where maybe we can dial it back a little bit. But in the plane of Kamigawa, these channel lands make sense. Like, I, I mean, I agree with both of you, right? Like wizards obviously added this for flavor reasons, but I also agree with Seth that like, 
that needed, right? Like it just adds complexity and effective. Like if the answer is effectively, you always have a legendary, then just make the channel cost like one less, right? Or, you know, if effectively you never have a legendary, just, just remove that line. It doesn't do anything. So like, I think there's ways to balance this such that you don't have to add that extra line. Um, and you know, I know they're adding it for flavor purposes, but you know, like this one card is not make or break, right? But when they do this for like literally every card for every set every year, then like it starts becoming like overload, right? Uh, but you know, as a one-off, it doesn't matter, but we're done with one-offs, right? Like every set has its own gimmick. You know, we staple on more words, more sides, more counters, more saga things, right? Like remember like double face cards were rare. Sagas were a one-time thing. Planeswalkers were rare, right? And now they're very common, right? And each of those cards is like literally like four or five cards combined, right? So they're, they're very complex. And, you know, like just think of like something like banding. Even though it's one word, you just add banding to a card. <laughs> the rules around banding are very complex. So you need to know a lot and you have a lot to be thinking about to understand what that one word actually means. Not really. So, banding just reads unblockable. like i I don't know like wizards doesn't have good ux you know user experience right they're optimizing for i guess brewing right like the more words you add right the more complexity you add the more interesting it becomes because you can find like really narrow pockets but as a new player like at some point it's so overloading that you just ignore it all and do something else right it's kind of like league of legends or something like people just don't play it because it's so complex right? Or like StarCraft, like RTSs, and they go, what do they play? They play Fortnite. Much simpler, right? Counter-Strike, something like that, where you just shoot someone and it's very easy to understand, as opposed to learning like five years of game theory (laughs) and like all the nuances and you have to have the exact correct build, otherwise your game is unplayable. Like it's, it's very difficult compared to just like loading up some like, you know, shooter, you shoot someone in the face and you're like, I understand that. So it's an interesting uh, juggle. I got to ask you one more question. I know we're I know we're going <clears throat> a little bit long, but uh, did you know how the shrines worked? I, I want to know if I'm like the only one who didn't get this and it's going to be really obvious to everyone or if everyone's going to be confused. So uh, like the new the new mythic shrine that we got in the set boosters go Shintai of life's origin. Uh, it makes a one one colorless shrine enchantment creature token. Whenever a shrine enters a battlefield, it is legendary enchantment creature shrine. Uh, when you read that card, do you just know that shrine isn't a creature type and that those creatures it's making actually have no creature type like is that obvious to everyone or is everyone going to be playing these cards wrong like i think this is another example i don't of, even understand as you explained it to me what <laughs> what is the gotcha the the tokens uh, the tokens and actually the the creature itself it's it's has no creature type it is not a shrine if you name whatever your metallic mimic and name shrine it does nothing with this like there's no that's its enchantment type which is different even though it reads exactly like every other creature does so if you play a changeling it's not a shrine that's triggering your stuff if you have whatever choose a creature type you can't name shrine because it's not actually a creature type that's an enchantment type even though it's making creatures that have that but, but type. it says legendary enchantment creature shrine ah the you I'm glad I'm not the only one. It has no creature type. I've been type. duped? Yes, <laughs> it has what? no... It's clearly on the creature type line. How? Like, uh, what is the actual rule stipulate? Like, shrine is like... Is an enchantment type. It's, a, it's an enchantment type. And I guess you should just know that. If you're a magic player, you should know that shrine is an enchantment type and not a creature type. Uh, so all these people are talking about brewing around, you know, changelings and so forth. And it just... It straight up doesn't work. And I was confused by it, too. When I read that, to me, that reads like a creature type, creature type shrine, making shrines that are creature type shrine. But that's actually not what the card is saying, like at all. And I don't even know, like, I didn't get that. You didn't get that. We've been playing Magic for a long time. There's no way someone buying, you know, the commander precon and putting this together or something is going to is going to know that. Like, so the complexity, like, seeps in in these weird ways, too. Like, I get why they wanted to make these cards, and I'm glad that they did. But like to me, that's a almost overwhelming level of complexity that how how would some average player know that that 
type doesn't mean creature type, even though it looks like every other creature in your collection where it does mean creature type. Like, how, how would you know that unless you've been playing since Kamigawa a million years ago and know all these like quirks of the rules? So so I think Wizards does need to be aware of some of that stuff, because like I would have played that card wrong if I wasn't hearing Watsy people talk about it on social media or whatever and explain it and me still not really gronk why it is the way it is. But so I think there is some complexity concerns with stuff like that. I go old school playground rules. <laughs> the shrine is a creature type. Yeah. <laughs> it works. A changeling is a shrine and you just do it. <laughs> rule I rule think, zero. I think what <laughs> I think what made that confusing is the fact that, well, if you look at all how the old shrine cards are, they all say legendary enchantment and then shrine, right? But it's once they threw creature in there that made the formatting kind of like weird. So I think that yeah. could have just been like a little bit uh, of a change on the formatting when it comes to that part. But for the most part, yeah, like shrine is to how like an arcane spell is or tribal enchantment, something like that, right? But but once they threw the creature type into uh, the enchantment part, that did make things a little weird. Yeah, a little confusing. But anyway, don't don't play it with your whatever creature type matter stuff because it's not gonna do what you're hoping that it does, even though it's a really cool card. But Oh, anyway, we went super long. I think that brings us to the end of episode 367 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. We never really get to fish mail today. Hopefully next week, now that spoiler season is over, we will. Richard, if people want to send in some fish mail, how do they go about doing that? All right. Hit us up on Twitter at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and uh, we'll go through some of the uh, backlogged questions we have uh, next week. So anyway, that brings us to the end of episode 367. Uh, thanks to Richard and Krim for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a wonderful week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.